The Lynn Show. Today, I'm airing an interview with actor, singer, dancer, musician, vocal coach, acting teacher, and co-star of the very extraordinary Murder for Two musical murder mystery currently playing at Florida Studio Theater. Kyle knew he was an actor when, in the second grade, starring as Santa Claus, Mrs. Claus sang his line instead of hers. And instead of freaking out and acting like the child he was, Kyle acted like a professional. And afterwards, his mother told him so. And from then on, his fate was sealed. Of course, it's a long road from second grade to an acting career. And Kyle will tell that story in the interview. So hang on. Here come the show. Hearing from an inner voice Finding choice where there's no choice With gentle prodding from the voice Oh, you really can Deeper, deeper down about being the person you really are, not the person you think you have to be, not the person other people are, not the person that someone told you you had to be or sometimes even told you you were, not even the person you may currently think you are, but the person you really are. 
Unfortunately, too many children experience criticism, teasing, embarrassment, punishment for things that are natural to them. The way they look, the way they sound, the way they eat, the things they're interested in or drawn to. And when that happens, children learn to try and cover up this thing that is bringing the unpleasant consequence. And our brains get so good at that cover-up that so many grown-ups come into grown-upness in denial for some of the most important aspects of themselves. In my shows I interview people who make their living or their life with an art. And I do that because when you listen to someone who makes their living or their life with an art, you can hear what it sounds like to be who you really are. And my interview today with Kyle Brunzel is an example of a man who knew in second grade and who continued to learn more and more and more aspects of this career that means so much to him and currently he is showing all of the things that he learned in his performance of 12 different characters in Murder for Two which is only playing for another week so if you haven't seen it I hope that you will run right out because you won't want to miss it but in the meanwhile here is Kyle telling his story. Okay, so I'm here with Kyle Branzell and Kyle is here as part of the two-person ensemble company of Murder for Two at Florida Studio Theater. And I want to talk to you about the show and your performance which is really difficult to describe. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Kyle is terrifically talented and amazingly funny. I interview people who make their living or their life with an art. You seem to have more than one art, so you're clearly an actor, but you're also a musician and a singer. That's right. So my question is, can you remember the very first time in your life when you were drawn to any of this? That's so interesting. I can think of two moments. The first one was in second grade when uh, we were doing the Christmas play and I was chosen to be Santa Claus. <laughs> <laughs> it was um, Santa Knows Best. It was my big star turn. And um, it just felt really right. I, you know, I had the most lines. <laughs> and my co-star, Mrs. Claus, messed up. She took my line in the song. I was supposed to sing a line and she accidentally sang it. And well, I wasn't going to make a big scene about it or anything. We were on the stage. We were <laughs> And I remember that my mom thought that was the, the, the first moment that she knew I was a professional was because I, I just kept going. And <laughs> Did she say that then? She, she said that she... then. Yep. And here we are. And here we are. <laughs> right. Later. Okay. So what, what was the other one? The other one was when I saw, um, I think this was a bit later, but when I saw the national touring company of Beauty and the Beast. And I saw the big spectacle of Be Our Guest with there's big uh, fireworks cannons at the end of it. It's a big act one finale. Well, I was so moved at the spectacle and the grandeur mm -hmm. of it all. Okay, so do you take piano lessons? Do you take acting lessons? What happens? Um, well, it was the piano lessons that sort of started everything. It was that your idea? Or it was, was my mom's it idea. Your mom's idea. And in fact, I hated it. I hated <laughs> playing the piano. Really? And I hated practicing. How old were you when you were forced to do this terrible thing? <laughs> forced. I think I was like eight. 
And yeah, I, I would have to play the piano and I wasn't very good at it. And my teacher kind of wanted me to focus on classical stuff and that's not really where my head was at. So I remember distinctly, we had this summer competition in my piano studio where you had to practice. It was just the number of hours that you practiced. Our parents were, had to keep track and then our teacher would have a big party and we would give prizes. Not talent or anything, just right, practicing. Right, 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 right. And I just hated it so much. And I would I remember crying and my mom would be like, don't, don't you think you should practice like at least an hour? You yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. And she was really, you know, nice about it. And um, so eventually I stopped. But literally like four months later, I just got, went into the piano room again and started reading all these books that I had. And I started sort of doing it on my own. Books? Like, uh, um, well, like I would, Hannon or like that? No, or no, 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 no. I was yeah. shifting into musical theater land. Oh! So I remember playing Aida. Um, so you taught yourself, essentially. Exactly. So you're teaching yourself piano, and you're loving it, apparently. Loving it, and really wanted to, wanting to stay involved with theater, but... What, wait, 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 how did you get involved in theater? Uh, well, second grade. The, oh, the yes, right, 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 right. So. And, then, and then I would also do theater. I would also be in shows, youth theater and, th and community theater and things like that. In school or you auditioned for community theater? Both, actually, but mostly community theater. Well, whose idea was this? I think this was mine at this point. I definitely like, loved performing. I was in a production in, I think, seventh grade of... Into the Woods. Play Jack with my little unchanged voice. Wow. I was a boy soprano. And so I guess that was really when I was like, oh, I really like to be on stage too. And so all throughout high school, I was doing as much band, choir, drama that I could. I was acting in the sh shows at school. I was acting in community theater stuff. I was also starting to get into the world of like playing the piano for shows. We would do this youth theater winter show and I would take it on myself to just like write my friends some band parts so that we could all play together. So you taught yourself to arrange? Uh, yeah, I mean, it was... It was crude arrangement. Well, I understand that, that point, but, but still, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I mean, you, I don't care how crude it is. You have to, all the instruments are not playing the same thing, right? Right. So you're uh, arranging for it, right? Yeah, 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 right, right, right. So you could hear, or you could imagine that the guitar could play this, or the trumpet could play right, that, or the, right. or like that, right? Exactly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah right. Yeah, so trial and error, you know, by this these low stakes community theater productions exactly. where I wasn't getting paid. No, one no, was nobody paid. was really even yeah. expecting it, right? Right, right, exactly. Just exactly. for fun, just, just for, for love, fun. right? Yeah, yeah, what I know. What you do for love, right? Isn't that so nice that that's how it all started? Yes, it is nice. Yeah. So at some point, are you thinking, this is what I want to do with my life? Yes, I started. To, I really started to get into the choir side of things. And I was in some all-state choirs in high school, which were really uh, formative training. So know. did you study voice there, or just again? Uh, the all-state choir was, you submitted an audition tape when you were in high school, and then the, <laughs> the creme de la creme of Ohio, <laughs> where I was from, uh, were selected to be in this massive choir that had this a really amazing clinician who would... Uh, conducted who was teaching at universities or whatever and I did that for two years and I really learned about the ideas of choral singing and more importantly choral conducting which I really found an interest in I had this dream to become my high school choir director and teach at a high school forever if I'm being honest I was also feeling a little bit like not good enough to be on the stage at this point really like, yeah I didn't have a whole lot of formal training as far as acting and singing goes plus where I'm from you don't really 
You don't imagine, right? Right? Some people actually do, but um, well, obviously, somebody did. So that's why I decided that I wanted to go for music education, which had nothing to do with theater. And so I went to Ithaca College for a year and a half, uh, and I studied music education and vocal performance. I did a double major. And it was very opera based on the vocal performance side and on the music education side it was very k through 12 based and in the first couple of years we were like really young kids and we observed and all this stuff and uh, that's when i was like you know what i this isn't really what i want to be doing i sort of just saw myself on the stage more so i made the kind of difficult decision to transfer schools i auditioned for musical theater programs, this is now to be an actor. And I didn't do well at my auditions because I was, I had no acting training whatsoever. <laughs> I was just a, a floating head. I was just standing there singing. So I didn't get into a lot of schools and I ended up going to the Chicago College of Performing Arts at Roosevelt University. And uh, I spent four years there, so now six years in undergrad. Right, right. <laughs> But I met some really interesting teachers who had some really great ideas and... And you learned stuff. And I learned stuff. And so then I made the, the move to the Big Bad Apple, New York City, uh, right away, because I knew that that's right what I college. always wanted to, yeah. Yeah, okay, so you have, what, a BA in... A BFA, musical, a Bachelor of Fine Arts. Right, yeah. in, in musical theater. That's right. And you're 20... Five years old. That's right. Yeah, and you're, you're, you're going to take New York by storm. Right. I see. So what happened? Right. Well, it was hard. Oh, no kidding. <laughs> For the first couple months, I was really watching how I spent money and trying to get a job. And I ended up getting just the worst. We call them survival jobs. Yeah, right. Uh, and I think I, I started as a typist. I was just like locked in a basement by myself. And I moved on <laughs> to telemarketing. Then I got my first touring show. And I toured with that show for about three months. It was not so glamorous. We were putting up our own sets. We were doing 11 a.m. children's shows. You know, <laughs> it was kind of hard, but it definitely taught me what it means to be accountable and, and to work really hard and to be a professional actor. And so then when I got back, I had my equity card, so then I was able to go to more auditions and better ones. Just been auditioning and working in, in whatever capacity. I started taking acting classes mostly, some voice lessons as well. And I love learning. I think it is so essential for especially an industry that is so evolving by the second. You know, it's shows that are opening on Broadway are represent the cutting edge of our industry and if you're not on the cutting edge you're, you're not working behind. yeah exactly <laughs> not to mention just refining your your craft so that for instance in this wacky show murder for two yeah let's talk about it yeah it's it's so demanding physically and vocally oh. i play about 12 different characters men women young people old people a ballerina and there's actually no costume changing except for a pair of glasses. So it relies on my posturing, sort of how I carry my body, and my voice. And then also, of course, the audience's imagination. Yeah. It, it uh, sort of relies on you wanting to show up. And we, uh, I actually got an email from a patron the other day that said, I just loved how you destroyed all conventions of, <laughs> of theater. You know, like our show is not your typical show. No. It is something kind of special and um, inventive. Well, I don't want to give away too much. But. Oh, no, no, you <laughs> yeah. can't, I don't think you can give away too much, right, actually. Right. I don't think you can hurt it. Right, really, sure, sure. Because sure. there's no way that anything that you can say 
is going to give anybody an idea of what they're going to say. I mean, <laughs> yeah. if, you know, when you begin, I'm thinking, good grief, because it's so unexpected. But then you just go with it. Mm-hmm. That's you, right. As an audience, you just believe it. That's right. And you become everybody. And you don't question that you've gone from, you know, a woman to a 10-year-old or to a man to an old person. You don't question it at all. Right. It's astonishing. And it's, a, it's actually a credit to your extraordinary performance. Oh, thank and you. And the fact that you don't seem to lose focus for a heartbeat. <laughs> you know, I mean, you are who you are, and then you are somebody else. And you don't blur. If you're listening to me and it's only running until the end of July, you should run right out. Uh-huh. It's an amazing performance. Thank you. Thank you so much. Well, you know, I, I, I have had the good fortune of being able to do this show a lot. The, my second college was in Chicago, and that's where the show started at Chicago Shakespeare Theater at, with the writer Joe Canosian doing my role. Really? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was... And I went on a whim with a friend. He had an extra ticket. I was like, what are are we really getting ourselves into? Who knows? And I left being like, oh, my God, someone wrote a show for me. Like, (laughs) I forgot to get into this show. It speaks to all my skill sets. It's, you know, it's funny. It's zany. That's so me. Play the piano. Um, So I've been trying to get into this show. And then as soon as I came back from this children's tour that I did, I saw that they were looking for understudies for the off-Broadway company. So I mailed in my stuff um, and instantly got a, an appointment to go be seen. Actually, they wanted to see me for the other character, the detective. Um, and so I went in and did my stuff and could tell they really liked me. And um, they were like, that was so great. Um, we definitely want you to come back, but this time, actually, why don't you take a look at the other role? And I was like, oh, got it, that's the one I was really hoping for. So, um, I did a couple rounds of callbacks for that, and this, these are like nail biters where you're, you go and you do all this crazy material that I didn't really even know at this point. Uh, that, so you do the audition, and then six months later, you do another audition, and then three months later, so it's all this wait time. This time it was going to be for the director, this huge team of producers behind the table, so that makes you nervous. And they were toying with the idea of doing one understudy for both roles, and so I had to do both parts. I (laughs) I did like the whole show in that audition room, but I left feeling really good, and then I got the offer to understudy the writer, Joe on the tour for two months and then I would take it over after that so that started and I we toured the country with it and uh, I I watched and learned from him for two months and then I spent about four months in the role and that's when I really was like okay this is what it means to be an actor because even if I'm tired I still have to go up and roll my body around the stage for an hour and 30 minutes so you understudied and observed the writer. Mm -hmm. So you know what he had in mind for this. That's right. Right? But you can't be him. That's right. So it seems to me that's a real challenge. And I imagine he's there anyway when you're doing it. Yeah. Um, Staff was good about letting us make it our own. What was so great about that was that I do feel like my touring performance was very inspired by Joe. But then, a couple years later, I got to do it at the Weston Playhouse in Vermont. We really got to like reimagine it. Yes. So then I felt like I got to make it mine. And then coming here to Florida Studio Theater now, same thing. We definitely 
had a, a nice structure because of I had done on the tour and Paul had done it at Utah. And so we got to sort of say, oh, this is what we did in my production, this is what we did in your production, here's what the director thinks, let's put them all together yeah, and yeah, see what yeah. shakes out. So um, it's, it's sort of an endlessly rewarding show in that way. I always say it's like a train where even if you're t- kind of tired at the beginning when, or you're like, I don't know how I'm going to make it through the show, you, you just start, you know, start at the very beginning, take one step, then two, then three, and eventually you're on this train that doesn't stop. And the audience's laughter is so crucial to this show because it really like lets me know that they're they're with us and it gives me the inspiration and adrenaline to keep going yeah. and so it's we we really appreciate the the vocal audiences here at Sarasota. Yes, well we loved you. I mean I imagine somebody else could do it, but it just seems to me this role was made for you. Oh, thank you so much. <laughs> you know, really uh, just astonishing. Okay, so I only have one additional question. Okay. And it is having given your life to the work, really essentially the work of theater. Is there anything you would say about what that's like? What you think about it? What you feel about it? Oh, how much time do you have? I I think about this on a daily basis and it's sort of this existential thing that all artists are faced with because especially being an actor, it can be a really thankless job. You know, like certainly, we get the glory of being on the stage and having people laugh and clap and and it feels like instant gratification sometimes but other times just another one of these performances and sometimes the audiences aren't as generous and and that's hard you know harder to do and and then when you are not working you're constantly trying to generate other work so you go to a hundred auditions and you hear back from 10 of them and then you book two of them, you know? And so it's a lot of no, it's a lot of rejection. It's a lot of uh, putting yourself out there for people who focus on their needs and the show's needs. And um, that can be hard to be so personal in your work, which we're, you know, encouraged to be and then feel like people are not accepting it or or it's not what they want or any any myriad of reasons or I'm not good enough xyz and so you really have to separate yourself from that and uh this big mind shift that was a game changer for me sort of aha moment was uh this teacher that I work with a lot in New York City Jen Waldman who's a wizard and a genius um talks about this idea of who is it for you know who is your art for and and getting specific about that so that you can then know who is it not for it's not for the people who are doing the work that is not artistically fulfilling to me so if i don't do well at that audition it's not a loss because it's not for them and also the idea of going into the audition room from a posture of giving as opposed to wanting to get something. That means wanting to give my art, to share this a minute and a half with you, to do something really spectacular that I've never done before in front of you, and then when it's over, to leave it at that, knowing that if I was prepared and I did what I wanted in the room, then I'm making a connection, if nothing else and I'm inspiring someone, if nothing else. And that way, it alleviates you from being like, well, that's another one I didn't book, you know, like, which is so easy. God, it's, it's what I come against every time in the theater. But you're not sorry. 
No. Oh God, no. <laughs> Certainly, I know. I can get. I feel like sometimes I. It's such a weighty discussion, but it. it I like to say it, it's a high risk, high reward field where you risk it all, and that risk comes in a lot of forms. It comes in not knowing where your next paycheck is coming from, not knowing if what you're doing is relevant sometimes, um, not knowing who to study with or which auditions to go for or which to take and which to let go by. But um, on the other hand, it's a, it's a life doing what you love to do. It's a life inspiring others to do that work. It's a, a life of um, holding a mirror up to society, you know, that is what the theater is, is here for. It is to teach us and to provoke us and um, inform us. Um, and so it, when, you're, when your intent is pure in that way, which is to help and to touch people, then I don't think you can be sorry if, if this is how you're going to choose to spend your life. It's a great place to stop. Thank you so much, Kyle. Thank you. Great to talk to you. So, there's a lot of no. There's a lot of rejection. You don't necessarily know where your next paycheck is coming from. You don't know which auditions to go to, which to pass on, which shows to take, which not, who to study with, who not. It's high risk as well as high reward. But when it is the life doing what you love doing, how could you be sorry? So when you hear this, you know that you are listening to someone who is exactly who he is, who is doing what he, what he is meant to do. He is doing, he is being who he is. And as I said in the run-up, it's my hope that when you listen to someone like Kyle, you're asking yourself, is this how I feel about my life? Can I say that I so love what I'm doing that even when it doesn't go well, I still am not sorry. I'm still happy to be doing it. Can you say that you are being the person you most want to be? Well, if you are, I'm really happy for you. But if you're not, I hope that listening to Kyle and listening to me say that it's an option is making you ask yourself why you aren't living the life that was meant for you, why you aren't being the person you want to be, and I suspect you already are. And as always, uh, I hope you got something from this show you can use, something that inspired you to ask these questions, something that will get you to come down and see Murder for Two, something that will bring you back, because I will be back, and as always, I sure hope you will be too. You see, I'm getting older My hair is turning gray Oh, you see my face and figure I've both seen better days Well, I won't be retiring I won't slip out of sight No, I will not go gentle Into that good night Just keep returning 
like some goddamn boomerang. No, I won't go with a whimper. I am going with a bang. You see that I have had my shot. My time has come and gone. Oh, won't I please get off the stage? Let Someone else get on Well, I, I won't be relegated Or leave without a fight No, I will not go gentle Into that good night Some tang, so 